If you are looking for holistic wisdom and a plan to reclaim your fertility to help you create a healthy family for generations to come, you're in the right place. This is Fertile Minds Radio. Hello, my friends. I'm Hillary Talbot Roland, your host, and I'm here today with episode 108, Learning to Savor the Weight. I hope you're doing well. I am freezing. It's winter in Florida. So for those of us with thin blood, we are freezing. I don't know how the rest of you live in deep snow caps this time of year, but I am definitely looking for the sunshine or excited for when the sunshine does start to come out here in a couple months more regularly. And I think that's pretty fitting for the topic of today's show, savoring the weight, right? So how can we learn to love when we are in limbo or waiting for something that we really want? That's what we're going to talk about today. And I think that this is really important because there's so much waiting in the road to conception and creating your family. And because we really never know how long it will take to hold that healthy baby in our arms, I think that this is one of the greatest skills that you can learn for the micro of the two-week wait, all the way to the macro of the entirety of completing your family. Not to mention, How to Survive the Two-Week Wait was one of our most downloaded episodes. So that was a big clue that we needed to de- we needed to dive deeper into this topic because it's not all about staying calm, drawing a bath, or taking a walk to get your mind off the wait. And don't get me wrong, I think those distractions are great tactics in small doses, but at some point, if we are noticing the need to hurry up and get this fertility thing over with, it's going to require a deeper dive into self-reflection so that we're not just wasting our lives away trying to hurry up and get somewhere. And in order to have proper self-reflection, we need to go over some definitions first, specifically instant gratification delayed gratification, which you're probably aware of both, and the concept of delay discounting. I'm going to explain to you in shorthand how the two parts of your brain work in relationship to dopamine, our reward hormone, so that you can understand which part of your brain has the wheel when you are observing these sentences in your brain, because that's really all thoughts are. They're not us, they're just words in our brain. And this is important for you to understand so that when you notice a shitty thought, you don't make it mean that you are a shitty person. You'll notice that many of your thoughts are simply what I call an evolutionary mismatch, and your brain is working exactly as it should once you understand these concepts. This basic understanding can help to give you so much grace and space when you're doing thought work. And when I notice that my hind brain or my ancient brain is working exactly the way that it is supposed to, protecting me, trying to tell me to stay in the cave, even if that is going against the plan that my prefrontal cortex has laid out, which it usually is, I will often tell myself, of course, how human of me. Thank you, brain. I get to notice where my brain wants to deviate into an old pattern, acknowledge it lovingly, and then move on. I don't spin out in drama anymore about my brain not working right. And this is the key to not holding yourself hostage in your thought work. This is the key to understanding that you can have these thoughts and it doesn't necessarily mean that you agree with them. It's just old programming in your brain. 
So we're going to talk about your brain's perception of time as well, and how that ties into the ability of enjoying the journey instead of creating what I call arrival fallacies. And we'll get into arrival fallacies in the next episode. But specifically, we are going to get into why waiting may be harder for those of you that have wombs as opposed to those of you that make sperm and how your ability to project into the future gives you an idea of which part of your brain you are actually operating from. So you can start to just be on to yourself of like, okay, this part of my brain is steering and here's what I can do about it. We are going to talk about how to engage in delayed gratification without feeling like it is consuming your life or eating up all your willpower. Basically, how to do it from a place of high engagement and low attachment. If you didn't listen to the episode with Aaron Gray, everyone is pregnant, but me, we talk about this concept of high engagement, low attachment, and the quadrant, and how to tell when your brain is really being a a stage five clinger. And you are basically in your own way when that happens. Uh, Also worth noting is that training your brain to avoid delay discounting and to appreciate healthy delayed gratification is a practice. It doesn't happen overnight. It will be imperfect at first. Perfection is absolutely not the goal here. Learning about yourself and how to savor the weight with love and compassion for yourself and your brain are the main goals. So please let it be imperfectly perfect. So most of you understand what instant gratification is. We want something and we want the immediate pleasure of having it now. And with the world at our fingertips, basically, it makes it easier and easier to constantly give into our urges and our cravings in so many areas of our life, from feeling good about ourselves through likes on social media, to ordering food in from across town, to binge watching an entire series of Emily in Paris in a weekend, which may or may not have happened in my house rather recently, to things like alcohol consumption or marijuana delivered to your door, depending on what state you live in, to porn if your mate isn't feeling up to the relations. You can have instant pleasure and a huge release of dopamine with a few keystrokes on your phone. And instant gratification has also caused our brains to need even bigger rewards to feel good. So if you've ever noticed that you need more and more of a feel-good experience until you recalibrate your dopamine response, you know what I'm talking about. An example might be you've gone on a cruise and eaten and drank all of the wondrous, glorious, bad-for-you things that they provide, and you've made mad, passionate love nightly, and now you're back to your meal plan and working nine to five, and that salad doesn't really taste as good as it did pre-cruise. We need to reset our dopamine needs for pleasure. Otherwise, we will begin seeking out more and more things, and that's how we feel like we wake up one day and we don't know how we got where we are because we've just been chasing the dopamine hit instead of actually really deciding what we want ahead of time and learning how to go about that in a balanced, loving way. So logically, most of you understand that creating life takes time and that you at least have to wait 10 days to see if it happened from intercourse at the time of ovulation until a test will show up as positive. And we know that it takes time, but It most likely competes with the subconscious belief that most women in the U.S. between the ages of 30 to 45 adopted as we were conditioned to believe, and that thought is that you could get pregnant at any time. 
we were taught so much about how to not get pregnant that there's this underlying belief of like, okay, I can just flip a switch and I'll get pregnant. And that was really hard. So if you grew up in the nineties and now you're like in disbelief of what's happening in your fertility journey, understand that there are bigger things at work than just your own brain. There's a lot of conditioning on the macro that cause this sort of internal incongruence. So you can see that there's a rub here between your conscious mind and your subconscious program beliefs. And that makes it really hard to be comfortable in anything when those two parts of your mind are opposing each other. And I think that this is part of the reason we find it so hard to wait to fall pregnant without seeking intervention, without trying to just hurry up and make it go faster. And if you go into the idea of conditioned beliefs even deeper and you take it to a genetic informational level, it's fascinating to see in the scientific literature that those of us that have wombs think that in three menstrual cycles of trying to conceive and not doing so, that is absolutely all our fault. And for eons, infertility was thought to be a woman's fault. Only within the last eight years or so has science caught up to show us that it's really more of a 50-50 when delayed conception presents. The same literature points out that those of you that make sperm, on average, will take 12 months before you entertain the idea that you as a couple should go to the doctor. And most of the time, whether you're aware of it or not because of your beliefs, you're thinking that it's your partner's fault. And as most of you know, If you go to a doctor for testing, most of the testing is still centered on the woman. So I point that out as a way to show you that this is like a very deeply conditioned belief um, across all humans on the planet. And I offer this to you because I want you to understand that delaying gratification, the opposite of instant gratification, may be in direct competition with your ancestral wiring and current dopamine thresholds of believing that you can have anything that you want in an instant. It's not a matter of sheer willpower to make ourselves wait three months, six months, two years, or however long it takes. You have to first understand the wiring that you are working with when you start using this idea of being okay with delayed gratification of falling pregnant in its own timeline. And I thought it might help you to also understand why you and your partner may be on different pages when it comes to the ability to relax and savor the wait. So if you're feeling this need to hurry up and your partner's like, just chill out, babe, and that makes you angry, understand that you don't have to take that personally, that a lot of that might just be some ancestral wiring or genetic wiring based on our chromosomes. And the other piece of this puzzle has to do with the concept of delayed discounting. This is a concept that is widely known by entrepreneurs, but it definitely applies to fertility. I first learned about this from my coach, Brooke Castillo, in relation to business planning, and immediately my brain was able to see how it translated into a fertility journey. Delayed discounting is when you discount the value of something if you have to wait for it. It essentially becomes less valuable in your mind the longer that you have to wait for it. So the preference shifts to a smaller immediate reward. So a monetary example might be, would you rather receive $10 today or $15 in a week? Most of you would wait. And if I said, you can have $10 this week or $15 in a year or one and a half years, most of you would say, give me the 10 bucks now and let's move on. Let's finish this transaction, so to speak. 
you've essentially discounted the value of something, even though the money still has the same exact value due to your perceived compounded stress of waiting. So here's a fertility example. Say five months has passed by and you still haven't conceived and you've really never saw yourself doing IVF for whatever personal reasons that might be. But when faced with the idea that this could take another year and a half to conceive naturally, you suddenly notice your brain looking for evidence to justify entering into IVF right now, despite its cost, $20,000 to $30,000. So do you see how your brain wanting instant gratification is willing to give more value to something that costs twenty dollars to thirty k simply because of the thought that it will give you what you want sooner? The kicker here is that most couples don't know that it usually takes six months from your first IVF appointment to a positive pregnancy test at minimum. I think that there's a little fantasy fallacy about how quickly IVF can work because most people, when they enter into IVF, are very hush-hush about the process when they first start out in that direction. And that's interesting because it's all perception and not necessarily all facts that the brain is going off, simply trying to solve for the discomfort of waiting. I don't want you to think that I am condemning IVF or saying that it's wrong in any way. I absolutely am not. Many of my clients have gone through it successfully, but I want you to know the statistics behind it. There are approximately 7% of the population of childbearing age who need IVF to get pregnant. And this is a need due to blocked tubes, oligospermia, which is basically like no sperm at all, or low sperm to the point where they have to go in and surgically extract it. That's only 7%. Yearly in the US, one to two percentage of babies born come from successful IVF, which if you look around at your friend group and those trying to conceive, uh, I want you to notice and just kind of count it up and, and notice that very likely those using IVF is probably way more than 7% of your friend group. And I want to give you some actual statistics that are widely missing in the mainstream conversations about fertility, especially on social media. In the first six months of attempting pregnancy, approximately 80% of couples will conceive naturally. Okay. This is in line with what the CDC states that one in five couples of childbearing age will have issues conceiving. That is 20%, right? So you can see that 20% to the 80% of couples that actually conceive. Now in the first 12 months, approximately 85% will conceive. So in that last six months of that first year of trying, five more percent of you will conceive, okay? So 80% of you will get it right on the nose in that first six months, 5% We'll get it in the next six months. Then over the next 36 months, which is three more years, approximately 50% of remaining couples will go on to conceive spontaneously. Okay, so 50% of that remaining 15%, which is 7.5% of you that didn't fall pregnant in that first year, will conceive in the next three years. So within four years total, that means 92% of you will have conceived naturally if given the chance. If you think about it, it's a bit like a college degree with an A grade if you are given a chance to go the distance, right? Which is again why I think this this concept is so important 
because yeah, no one wants to wait four years to get pregnant. But if IVF is not something that aligns with your values for whatever reason, whether that is religious or um, how you think about your own health or financially, then yeah, maybe it does make sense to just like settle in and be okay for the next four years. Five to 7% of couples who have not conceived after 48 months of attempted conception will occasionally go on to achieve a spontaneous conception. So that means only 7% of couples trying to conceive need help of IVF. So if you're willing to figure out how you can enjoy the process of savoring the weight and to know if you are a couple who in fact needs IVF, not once, not being sold to by the doctor in front of you telling you that you're running out of time, you can save yourself a lot of money, right? So this is important to understand, especially as you maybe, you know, because I do really encourage people when they're doing testing to go to a reproductive endocrinologist to get that testing. But just because you go get that testing does not mean that you actually have to A, take their advice or B, enter into something extreme like IVF or even IUI. Um, So just know that there can be a world of good done by understanding your brain and getting your kind of internal compass for what you are both as a couple, not just as an individual willing to do to get pregnant straight before you walk into that office. Because if you go into an office where they lead with fear, you can get hijacked real quick, right? So you need to understand which part of your brain is doing the thinking. And you need to be really solid in your self-concept of a couple of how you're about to go create a family, right? And since we're on the subject of stats, I just want to say that I've had many women in their 40s conceive naturally. 47 is the oldest to conceive naturally in my office, and 50 was the oldest to conceive with donor eggs and the help of IVF, okay? So just some perspective, because many of you that do visit that doctor's office will feel the heat, right? You're going to feel this like, oh my God, my eggs are running out. They've shown me the probability of what is in front of me. And I want you to just remember and hear my voice. 92% of you could conceive naturally within four years. Okay. And if you're thinking, oh my God, we can't do the next four years in this state of stress and totally overhauling our lifestyle, I want to offer you that it doesn't have to be that hard, that there's really a more balanced approach than doing all of the things, right? That's high engagement with high attachment. We can get you to a place of high engagement and low attachment. You're just doing the lifestyle tweaks because it makes you feel good. It, it makes you feel healthier. You're more connected as a couple. You have better sex. And then the baby becomes extra. I also want to say that if you are thinking I'm judging you from doing IVF, I absolutely am not. Okay. The cost for some of you, like you may be thinking the cost of 20 to 30 K is totally worth it to me to get pregnant within this year rather than potentially waiting it out. And that's totally your prerogative. As long as you understand why you feel the way that you do, how your brain works, and you really, really like your answers or your reasons, and you're just 
you're not operating from a place of, I want it now because I need to outrun my feelings that don't feel good right now. So you see the difference of just like, yeah, no, I can totally manage my feelings for another four years and I choose not to, right? I'm all for that as well. But you have to reflect and understand what's gotten you into that office and what's going to keep you going through that process. Because the process of IVF can be very difficult mentally, socially, emotionally. It can be hard on your relationship. um, And it can be hard on your relationship with yourself because your hormones are literally hijacked. And so you sometimes don't feel the same as you would. So I really want you to like your reasons for going through that. Because if you do, you will keep coming back to that when things get hard and that journey will not be as hard. It will not seem like it is taking too long, no matter how long it takes. And if you do find that you're someone that's trying to outrun some not so great feelings and you want to hurry up and get pregnant, my number one tip for you is to ask yourself how you think you will feel when you get pregnant And to go to work cultivating that feeling right now and as many other areas of your life while you wait. That will help you to feel less of a need to hurry because you will be experiencing the feeling that you subconsciously think that you're going to get. So now that you understand the basic definitions of instant and delayed gratification and delayed discounting, let's do a quick, quick uh, reminder on how your brain's reactionary planning and dopamine centers work. Your primitive brain, it goes by many names, the hindbrain, the reptilian brain, the ancient brain, your brain stem, and it's super important and good at keeping us alive. It is the reason that you are here listening to me from an evolutionary perspective. It has allowed our species to survive by hardwiring pleasure with different parts of our nervous system, fight or flight and rest and digest, or what I like to call breed and feed. Things that were needed to survive, like warmth, food, and sex, are all purposely attached to dopamine flow, the reward hormone, so that we would want more of that activity and repeat it as many times over. And because it controls homeostasis, that small variance of temperature and safety that we need to stay alive as humans, it also has the ability to throw us into fight or flight if we aren't safe or are approaching biological danger, like a fever or hypothermia. The flip side to that is that it also tends to kick us into fight or flight when we restrict something that is attached to dopamine reward hormones. That's why it can literally feel like you're dying when you don't eat that Girl Scout cookie that your brain knows is in the cabinet. It's only concerned with right now, like your hindbrain, that's its main job. It's like right now in these seconds and instant gratification and it's all in the name of keeping you alive. So it's not bad right? It's just that we have to understand that we're not out fighting for our lives anymore. It's definitely a case of evolutionary mismatch. We now live in the land of plenty. So we have to retrain our brains to gracefully delay the pursuit of instant gratification and to learn to override urges instead of being reactionary and giving into them. Now your prefrontal cortex is a much newer part of your brain, evolutionarily speaking. It allows for logical thinking and planning ahead. It also has the ability to dream into your future. It is what allows you to go into possibility and creative solutions for problems. It is what allows you to dream big. It is very much interested in the long game, if you will. So hindbrain, now, 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 prefrontal cortex, 
What's going to happen in the next one, five, 10, 20 years? I want you to think of these two parts of your brain, like two different muscle groups. The more you work them, the stronger they will become. Sometimes I actually picture my hindbrain like a cracked out sprinter trying to win at all costs and my prefrontal cortex like a graceful marathon runner that will not be deterred from her path when I'm noticing which part of my brain is generating my thoughts. It also gives me a little laugh, which helps me to interrupt the pattern of my mind and to not take myself quite so seriously. So how do you know which part of your brain you're working from? A fascinating way to understand this is to think about your future. Specifically, how far into your future you can actually dream. This could be your future in general, or you can simplify it into the future of your family. I highly suggest doing both because you could be operating from different parts of your brain with different subject matter. A really interesting experiment highlighted the brains of addicts, entrepreneurs, and middle-aged people that were neither addicts or entrepreneurs. I found this subset group like pretty funny that because there is a little bit of overlap and addiction with entrepreneurs, Um, but you'll see from the study how different the brains are. What they noticed was when the participants were asked to dream into their future, specifically how far they could go, there was a drastic difference. Addicts could only go about four days on average into their future. Clearly, their hindbrains are running the show looking for instant gratification. Entrepreneurs on average were able to project a minimum of 10 years into their future. Those that were neither of the two could project their future on average four years into the future. I would argue that creating and sustaining a family, if you have been challenged, takes a lot of planning and often delayed gratification. And as a parent, there are definitely times when you will have to go without in order to give your child the best or when you'll go without sleep or food when they're little. You will end up using your prefrontal cortex to plan trips, to budget, and for your emotional maturity so that you aren't completely emotionally reactive to your children 100% of the time. So this skill has so much more value than just simply learning to savor your weight. It will help with birth, parenting, and even when you become an empty nester. So where are you in this continuum when it comes to visualizing your future family? If your brain won't let you go there at all, say past this menstrual cycle or this IVF cycle. For me, when I'm working for somebody, it's a warning sign that we're engaged in reactionary hindbrain thinking. They're in fight or flight. And in this state, emotions will often be unprocessed and hijacking your higher thinking like logic, will, and possibility. You will use probability thinking as your basis to justify reactionary emotional thinking, even without realizing that it's happening. You'll start bargaining with your values when you're making really big decisions in order to speed up the process of getting out of emotional suffering. This also starts to pave the way for like buffering with what seem like little choices, like do I want to go off my my meal plan and eat that cookie or do I want to skip exercising today because you'll be bargaining um, and living from that reactionary place in your hind brain instead of what you plan to do with your prefrontal cortex. And that's no good because you might end up getting what you want, but it will be at a huge cost to your higher self and your sacred sacred values, which I feel like always does underlying damage to your own self-esteem and your own sense of self-worth. When your brain refuses to visualize your long-term future and goals saying things to you like, it's so far away, this doesn't matter, that is you discounting its value, justifying your approach to hurry along with delay discounting. 
when you say things like, who knows what will happen? That's impossible to know. So why are we bothering trying to imagine it? That is also delay discounting in a very, very sneaky way that seems like the cold hard truth. If you are resonating with any of these statements or finding them familiar, I ask you, what are you afraid will happen if you wait? I highly encourage you to process those fears of failure so that you can actually have space to let in new possibilities. A good place to start is a mind dump of those thoughts where you underline only what would be considered facts in a court of law. What you'll notice is how much drama there is up in your brain right away. And it's a sure sign that we are delay discounting and feeding the vicious cycle of operating from our hind brains. Now, some of you will say that you can see children when I ask you to look into your future, but your brain will get really stuck on getting it right, so to speak, in terms of you'll notice questions like your brain saying, well, how old are you in this vision? And what's your child's age? And how many are there? And that shows you that you're somewhere in the middle. You can still dream into the possibility of it happening, but your hindbrain is looking for more specific timelines or the how so that it can sort of rest and chill out. It needs a reason to let up on its hyper-awareness of protecting you, and it thinks that if it knows how you get there, that it can relax. And if you've ever like planned something and you know the exact how, you know that your brain still doesn't relax. That's kind of a fallacy too. So for those of you that can see all the way down the line into children and grandchildren, fantastic. You are engaged in possibility thinking from your prefrontal cortex, and you will have a much easier time savoring the wait. You trust that it will happen, even if you don't know when or how. Now, I know that there are many of you listening right now, if you're still listening, thinking it does not feel safe to dream ahead, because what if I dream and hope and it doesn't come true? And that is a possibility, but you will have had a much easier time waiting in that interim than if you had been living in a place of fight or flight, thinking constantly, it's not safe to connect with your future. In the dating world, we might call this settling, being willing to take the scraps at a huge price to your own self-worth. So let that sink in. Are you settling for what comes when it comes to creating your family? Or are you going to manage your brain, learn to savor the weight, and enjoy the fuck out of this process? When you get really good at delaying gratification and disciplining yourself from a place of love with healthy habits that make you feel good, from a place of training your brain and taking care of your body, not because you think it will yield a baby, but just simply because it feels good for you and you're worthy and that matters, you can enjoy the weight of any journey in life, even falling pregnant, because you'll have the ability to process your feelings. We call this living in high engagement with low attachment in my Conscious Conceptions program. You are completely engaged in this place of living life to its fullest, growing your capacity for uncertainty while growing your capacity to stay in prefrontal thinking and to notice when you fall out of it, and to be compassionate with yourself when it happens, and marveling at the magic of what happens when you live from this place. If that feels enticing, but scary, I encourage you to reach out and see if we're a good fit. If it feels paralyzing, then perhaps consider seeing a therapist and processing the root of those emotional reactions, because I know one thing for sure. 
family or no family, your life is way too precious and sweet to waste living in paralyzing fear, only thinking a few weeks into your future, or restricting all the yumminess out of life in the name of hopefully getting pregnant. So to recap my steps for practicing, practicing imperfectly, how to savor the weight. Here they are. If you are in a hurry to get pregnant, ask yourself, how is it that you think you will feel when you get there? Then go to work cultivating that feeling in other areas of your life. It will take the pressure off. You have to try it to believe me. Step two. Notice how you make decisions in all areas of your life. Are you capable of delightfully delaying gratification from a place of love? Or do you only do it through harsh restriction? And do you operate in a moment to moment of instant gratification? Step three, assess which part of your brain you are operating from by noticing how far into your future you are able to dream when it comes to your family without your brain shutting it down. If it's completely paralyzing, consider trauma therapy. It might be the best thing that you've ever done for your entire generational line, not just you. And if that ability to see into your future is sort of there, it's in and out, it's hazy, consider coaching to solidify the habit of living from your prefrontal cortex and learn how to really thrive in any situation. And if you are considering medicated intervention, notice where you are on the statistic time continuum that we spoke about earlier, that 92% of natural conception in four years. Where are you in that timeline? And ask an unbiased party Okay, not somebody that is going to charge you money, not a doctor, maybe it's a, 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 a physician friend or somebody that has no skin in the game of you conceiving. Okay, I want you to ask them if your diagnosis is one that requires IVF or not. And if you are willing to pay out of pocket to make that process go faster with IVF, then get to work loving your reasons so that you enjoy the fuck out of that process too and you can use those reasons to buoy you when it gets hard. It is possible and it is the same exact work that we do for natural conceptions in terms of thought work and mind management that we do for medicated cycles. And last, but certainly not least, as you explore your brain and the sentences and feelings that it produces, be kind to yourself. Remember the thought, how human of me because your brain is likely doing what it has been trained to do to protect humanity by moving away from suffering and towards instant gratification or dopamine. It's much easier to love your brain into a new way of operating than to command it to do so. I love you all. And I hope that this has blown your mind in the best possible way. And we'll talk soon. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening. If you like this podcast, I would love it if you would leave a short review wherever you listen. Your stars and kind words help other women find this podcast when it's their turn to conceive. I would consider it the ultimate thank you.
and you might even be chosen to hear your review read on one of our podcasts. Bye for now.